Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. So we're going to turn to the book of Ruth, and I'm going to read from Ruth chapter 1 to 2, uh, 13. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back for you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. 
Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. I like the book of Ruth. And it seems an amazing story about unexpected people. And I think God reveals something wonderful about this book. Have you ever felt broken? Has life really ever come against you, losing a family member or a hope for the future? Perhaps you are a foreigner, an outsider. Perhaps you feel despised or anxious. Perhaps we even feel bitter or angry. If so, then this is a fantastic book for you and for me. I'm going to split the book into two and do a sermon at another time, but I'll give you an overview of the whole story in brief, as we've only been able to hear a section today. Today we're going to hear about Naomi, who even though circumstances have made her bitter, is resilient and faithful to the Lord. And we're going to meet Ruth, who is determined and faithful, and even people who do not know her see her amazing grace. Both of these women see real hardship, but they're saved. In the book, we discover by the end that Ruth marries a man, Boaz, who saves her, redeems her. And of course, this presents us with a challenge that in life, and particularly in hardship, we, like Naomi and Ruth, need a saviour. Boaz can be said to represent Jesus. Firstly, we need to understand the time this book was written. There was famine, as there often was in this part of the world, and a husband and wife, Elimelech and Naomi, leave their, with their sons, leave their homeland in, of Bethlehem in Judah and try, to try and feed themselves. So they go to Moab, where there's food. So already they are immigrants in this land. We quickly learn in verse 5, this is not going to be a simple story of happiness and ease. In verse 3, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. 
and in order to cement her family in this new culture, her sons take local women as wives. It seems hopeful, but no, there's more hardship. Her sons who have married these Moabite women also die. This doesn't seem too big a deal for us, but there are a couple of things we need to understand. By leaving Bethlehem and going to Moab, they've left their homeland and gone to a foreign place. So now Naomi is a widow in a foreign land. Also, and more immediate, Naomi has these two daughters-in-law who aren't from Bethlehem, aren't from her area to consider, to take them back. Well, they're going to be foreigners. Women in this culture did not have the same standing as men. Naomi can still get support, but only from her husband's family back in Bethlehem. So Naomi would have to go back, get support from Elimelech's family, but Ruth and Orpah, they have no such protection. Even if Naomi was desperate for companionship, which she might have been, she knows these women need protection a fresh start. Her hopes and dreams have been shattered. Perhaps we can imagine the comments she might expect when she gets back home. What did you think was going to happen? You left here to try and save yourself from the famine. Now look at you. Deserve what you got. No husband, no sons. And imagine the talk if she came back with these foreigners different from the Bethlehem women. Not wanted. So Naomi's realistic. She knows she has to go home. And the only logical thing is for her to free her daughters-in-law so they can marry again, stay in their homeland, and she can return home alone, broken by circumstance. But Naomi is selfless as well, even if she wanted company. Her instructions to these young women are clear in verse 8. Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness. She blesses them on their way, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Her daughters-in-law clearly care for her, and they are devastated. The name Naomi means pleasant, sweet, and with mysterious grace. And perhaps Orpah and Ruth had seen these qualities. Yeah, we can see why she wanted to change her name from Naomi to Mara, which means bitter, after all the things she'd gone through. She gets to the point where she's quite blunt. In verse 11, go home. Why would you come with me? Ha, it's not like I'm going to have more sons with another husband. Even if I could, would you want to wait until my sons grew up? No, it's worse for me. The Lord has turned against me. But when she kisses these young women and sends them off, they react very differently. Orpah reacts exactly as I would. After persuasion, she heads home to her family. Sensible girl, new hopes, back to what she knows. She doesn't have to go to a place where they, she won't understand the language, won't understand the customs, and she won't have status. Nope. Orpah, sensible. But Ruth, the first thing about Ruth, she is determined. She's even stubborn. Naomi attempts to persuade her again, pointing out the reality of her situation. Your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Take the easy route. Go home. Go back to your gods. My God has abandoned me. 
Ruth probably wanted a child. She probably wanted to make a life with Naomi's son. That hope is gone. But something in Naomi and in God made Ruth not want to leave, even after all of this hardship. She is steadfast, and she says some of the most amazing words in all of the Bible for me. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Wow, that's trust. And she even wants this God of Naomi's. Ruth binds herself to Naomi in so many different ways. Imagine giving up your family and moving to another country to live with your mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is wonderful. But I'm saying, it's a big step. And she vows six things. To travel with her. To live or dwell with her. To claim her people as hers. To die with her. To be buried where she's buried. No messing. She could have said, okay, I'll see how it goes and make a late decision. No. Ruth is all in. And following the God of Israel is huge. God is using this mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship quite unexpectedly. And if we all knew the New Testament really well, we would know that Ruth is going to be in the line of Jesus. She's going to be the great, great, great grandparent of Jesus. God uses this woman who's an outsider, who's a foreigner, in the line of the most important man, our saviour. So Naomi, without even realising it, even in her brokenness, even in her heartbreak, even in this pain, she is calling Ruth to something that she doesn't even understand. She is already showing God's presence to her daughter-in-law. Ruth's not in love with Naomi's beauty, her riches, her togetherness, her liveliness, but her wisdom, her virtue, and her grace. Ruth doesn't want this brush with the God of Israel to end. And this is just like us. When we feel at our most stretched, at our most broken, at our most bitter, God is working in us. Perhaps without us even realizing, just as he was working in Naomi. So Ruth goes back with Naomi, back to Bethlehem in Judah, just as the harvest, one of the busiest times of the year, was beginning. And the harvest is symbolic, gathering, success, celebration. As they arrive back in the area, everybody notices them. I can imagine the scene. These two women walking into town, and there was no Facebook to pass on the news. People whispering, asking, where are the men? They're spiritually and physically exhausted. Naomi is almost unrecognizable. The people even ask if this is her. Her simple answer, it's over for me. Change my name. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. And what is their hope? They have no husbands, no sons, no future in this culture. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back home empty. She's not fist shaking at God. She's not renouncing her faith. She is acknowledging God without blaming him angrily. But she does think the credits are rolling on her life. 
She's too soul-weary to see it another way. Man, this must have been hard for Naomi. Going home to everyone working and celebrating. But she does have the love and support of her daughter-in-law. And there's a hint that something amazing is going to happen already. She comes back with this Moabite woman, this foreign woman at a time of work and business going on. And this is the point of the story. When we think that it's game over and things have gone utterly too far to go back, God can reach in and change things when we thought it was just too late. Now, it's easy to see the end point of the story, of the book, and think that the relationship between Boaz and Ruth was planned from the start, even planned by Naomi. This isn't the case. It even says, as it turned out. It was just by chance. It's Ruth who suggests to her mother-in-law that she go to work in chapter 2 and verse 2. Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain. It seems Naomi hasn't got a grand plan to introduce them. Ruth simply says she'll go and glean in the fields. Now, gleaning was the practice of going behind those who'd collected the wheat or other produce and picking up any little bits that have been dropped behind. Ruth speaks in a humble way. She wants to go and find favor. She isn't looking to get herself noticed. She hopes to find someone who doesn't mind her clearing up after they have gone past. Of course. It seems accidental that Boaz, this high-status guy, arrives. And like any good story, we suddenly hope there's more than this brokenness. Something good must come out of this. And you're like Disney. If you're like me, we love a good marriage. Boaz notices this woman. She probably looked different. She's foreign. She's an outsider in a culture where they did not have travel like we do now. And even now, we still find our cultures aren't necessarily great towards foreigners. Oh yes, she's noticeable. She's a Moabite. But this is an unusual woman. Her reputation has preceded her. She's a committed woman. She comes back with her mother-in-law. She's modest, working quietly all day after asking permission and incredibly hardworking. She's clearly made a favorable impression. We suddenly understand she's been doing something quite risky. In verses 8 and 9, he speaks to her with the word daughter, a mark of respect, part of my extended family, not someone below him. He warns her to stay with his servant women, not to go into another field beyond his jurisdiction where he cannot protect her modesty. He's even instructed his men to not lay a hand on you. We suddenly realize the danger she could have been in. She's only just arrived. She could so easily be exploited. She's humbled and she shows her appreciation and respect. Why have I found favor? But Boaz calls a blessing upon her for her selfless actions in verse 11. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The relationship, however we might like to see it from a modern perspective, is very much of a master and a servant. Boaz has accepted a decision to identify with the people of Israel, Naomi's people. He's extended the protection of himself as a local Israelite member of the community. And he doesn't treat her as a foreigner, as a Moabite. We see God through Boaz here. 
God is willing to care for and protect all who come to him. This isn't a grand plan of Naomi. This isn't a grand scheme of Ruth or even Boaz. This is clearly presented as God's hand at work, bringing Ruth to a point of blessing and Naomi too through her daughter-in-law. Ruth's simple and consistent acts of faithfulness and trust have given an amazing place in God's kingdom, protected and noticed. We can learn from Ruth's circumstance, just as her small acts of kindness and survival are noticed by Boaz, our small and steady acts of kindness have consequences beyond our understanding. And sometimes when we are just going about our daily business, God is using us to walk closer to him, even do something amazing. So what can we take from this first chunk of this fantastic book? Circumstances change, but they do not change God. I can't imagine losing Mike. Even the thought of it horrifies me. And I can only imagine Naomi and Ruth and Orpah's situation. I can only imagine the pain. And I'm not in a culture where women would struggle to maintain themselves without a male head of the family. But I learn from this that God is not upset that Naomi's bitter. He hasn't abandoned her or Ruth. In fact, he'll bring us back and he has a plan even if we don't see it. This doesn't mean we won't struggle. And I like that reality. Following God does not make our life simple or easy, far from it. But Naomi shows me that even when we are broken, when we're in pain, we think it's game over, we've gone too far. Others, like Ruth, may still see something in us that is intriguing. Something they want to know more about. And Ruth's story so far? She shows such amazing faithfulness, such steadfast love to her mother-in-law. But she's curious. She wants to know this God. She leaves her home country to support Naomi. She's broken too, but she's practical. She knows she has to get through the daily routine in order for them both to survive. She's humble. She asks for favor, and she's hardworking. We can only imagine how she might have been treated. A foreign woman, alone in fields, with no husband's protection. We can already see God at work. God notices Naomi. He will bring her back to her name. He'll remove her bitterness. She's given up. She doesn't even care when Ruth says she's going to go to work. Go ahead. Fine. Okay with me. But God hasn't given up. Naomi was showing something of him, even in her brokenness. She has mysterious grace. God notices Ruth. Boaz notices Ruth. Yes, she's an outsider. Yes, she's different. Yet she's vulnerable. Boaz gives her protection, gives her a place as a worker in his fields, which gives her protection and rights we don't understand in a modern culture. Boaz accepts her as an Israelite woman. This is why I love this book. That God sees beyond our brokenness, our bitterness, our place as an outsider, our feelings of having no more hope, because he will protect us and care for us and notice us. And that's just the start of the story. Amen.